0: hey there it's Corey Andrew of the core issues podcast as a journalist pop culture commentator and recording artist creative experiences and having strong opinions are a big part of my life on the core issues with Corey Andrew podcast I'll be sharing those opinions and you may not always agree but I welcome the discussion on a range of topics from social matters and politics to entertainment, LGBTQ plus issues, conversations with celebrity guests, and of course, talking to everyday people doing extraordinary things. Tennessee-born drag star Eureka became a season 9 and 10 fan favorite on the hit show RuPaul's Drag Race. Her popularity put her on the map as one of the most popular drag artists around the country, and today she stars with fellow drag superstars Shangela and Bob the Drag Queen on the HBO Max docuseries We're Here first just a little background you were on season nine of drag race and you had a little injury in the cheerleading competition uh cheerleading uh, challenge and then you came back in season 10 and you became a runner-up fan favorite and now like look at you all on hbo co-hosting the show is coming soon and is about to debut on hbo what's it like for you like kind of anticipating uh such a major platform i mean you know, a show, and I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race is big, but HBO is really big. So, what's it feel like having a show coming out on HBO?
1: You know, honestly, it's just like, it's exciting. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to like, I guess it's hard to wrap my mind around sometimes. I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm just a small town country bumpkin to begin with, you know, and I always dreamed of like, my dreams, you know, but who knew, you know, I don't know. I'm just like elated and beside myself, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, humbled, but also like proud of it. You yeah. know, I just, I'm so very proud.
0: Yeah. Well, no, you should, that's quite the accomplishment. And, um, so you said small town boy. Now you are from, if I'm not mistaken, Johnson city in Tennessee, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I had not even heard of Johnson City until i was doing uh, my, my research so honey how big is johnson or how small is how small is johnson i should say or i don't know how, how what's the city population lord about a dollar
1: ever since my friend asked me that <laughs> question honey how small is johnson um, no I, it's you know honestly i'm like originally like i'm born in a small town outside of john city Johnson city's like kind of just the main city oh
0: okay honey so so you're even in the smaller city okay
1: yeah, I mean it's like it's called a tri-cities area. That's how small, it is. Mm. It's like three cities make up an area. Yeah, um, it's I mean it's just country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, in its ways, very like you know, very what you kind of imagine a small town like that to be like.
0: Well, that's why I'm curious too. So when you were, I mean, did you begin your drag career in that small town or was it, or did you leave, you know, and then go to a big city and then here you are, you become Eureka or or did you challenge that system while you were there growing up in that small town?
1: Yeah, no, I started there for sure. Um, You know, I, I did drag in every little, I even started a show in Big Sim Gap, Virginia, which is even smaller, you know, which was kind of a huge deal. And, you know, I that's why I, I started my dragon and fought t- to really get where I wanted to be and just happened to audition for the show a few times and made it on the show, you know, and that's how I ended up over here. But yeah, honey. oh, um whole pageant, drag, honey, baseball, community, <laughs> homosexuality is really what I come
0: from. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I know the South is not always easy for um, a lot of things. I mean, my family hails from different parts of the South, so I get it. Um, so for you to even prevail in that environment is amazing. Now, that also brings me to the the point about the show, because the, the premise of the show is that you and uh, Bob the Drag Queen and Shangela, you pretty much go around the country and you sort of help people your who you I guess you guys have deemed your your sort of drag daughters, if you will, you sort of help them kind of transform and find their su- their their true selves as they kind of blossom and kind of realize their own dream as a as a drag performer so along the way though you have to encounter a lot of the townspeople you have to kind of encounter people who do not always agree with I guess what you guys are doing. What was that like kind of going to different towns and having to face sometimes that I would imagine not always the most welcome communities or did you have great experiences mostly? You know,
1: sadly because I'm used to getting a little pushback in a small town environment. It didn't bother me as much as um, my, some might think. Honestly, I was kind of amused to it. So I, I really just paid attention to the welcoming side as far as like in my heart. I mean, when we got pushback and stuff, it just reminded us even more of why we were there. Mm. So it really just um, valued and then, indicated what the point of us being there was. And it just kind of honestly, as much as they were trying to maybe discourage it, just kind of encouraged <laughs> mm-hmm. the process. And and I think too, um, you know, with our drag daughters in quotation marks or sons or children or wh- whomever, however they identify, I'm very much come from a um, a drag family based um, community. So like where I'm from, you know, a lot of queer people, are um, disowned by their families or don't have good connections with them. So mm-hmm. we're very much a community that created our own family um, and believe in chosen family. So I think that's where, for me, it was easy to kind of find the love and the family connection, even in these small towns, because kind of just how I was raised and mm-hmm. the environment and the community.
0: Yeah. Do you have one city in particular that you think you went to out of all, I know you guys went to quite a few. Do you have one city in particular where you would say, you know what, that was that was the one that was the most transformative, I would say, thus far? Or were there many, anything that stands out in that regard?
1: You know, honestly, I think that... Um the one that I felt like probably was the most transformative would have been rest in Louisiana. It just seemed like, or no, no, sorry. Um, where did we go? Farmington, New Mexico. Sorry. That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, Farmington, New Mexico, just because it, you know, the energy that we got the entire time from there was very, oh, well, you know, we don't judge, but we just don't talk about it. And, you know, that's the stigma that a lot of small towns and like, um, you know, people that. Uh, base their their society organization on family morals or or a set of rules. Kind of get to this depiction of like, oh well, we don't care what they're doing. We just don't talk about it, and mm. you know. But that all that does is just like push people into a shadowed corner even more and why not talk about it? Why isn't it okay just to have the discussion? So I felt like there people were talking, the community came together, even though we were like worried that um, I think at one point we weren't sure if the show was going to happen because we were having trouble with venues with like fire marshal codes. Like, you know, the city wasn't very happy about us being there. Mm. You know, there was just like, a lot of pushback but then in the end you know we had like a lot of officials at the show Um, the show turned out to be one of the busiest and most connected shows Um, and also just with the daughters themselves the daughters there were very affected by this stigma of um you know don't ask don't tell type energy Mm -hmm. and so there was just a lot of lack of self-expression and freedom to communicate and um with the show they were really able to even do that there as well and you know there was just a really high suicide rate there there was just like Hmm. you know a very um small queer community but the their you know their small lgbt organization was about to go belly up because they couldn't afford anything to like continue with progression and the city wouldn't help. And all that kind of changed with um, this experience. People kind of came forward wanting and willing to help. And I can't wait to do a follow-up there because I think it was one of the most beneficial places.
0: Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to see that one. I think that's what's fascinating, uh, for me looking at the show trailer and reading about what you guys have done. Very much like, well, I guess the original, if you think about it, the original Queer Eye for the Straight guy was just, you know, years ago. It was just like this kind of fun show that was more novelty, you know, a bunch of gay guys showing you how to cut your hair and eat well and look fabulous, you know, which was not, not to knock that show because we were happy to have it at the time. But then when the second, version the 2.0 recently came out it was a really different animal that transformed lives i mean you know there was an episode where the girl was a lesbian and was kicked out of her home and you know the guys transformed her life and brought her uh started to go fund me and you know all that great stuff so i find it fascinating too that in that same vein it's it feels like we're here almost takes on that same um tradition and it's great because it's an lgbt community that's transforming lives on a grand scale, right? It's not just about putting on the lipstick and the and the glitter. You're making a big difference in lives, right?
1: Well, thank you. And that's the point, I think, is just to like create conversations or maybe spark things that can be conversated about that are looked over and uh, also show sides of the story that don't get shown you know, show the parent's side or show the, you know, the straight guy's side of the story or, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not about fixing the problem. It's about, um, it's about starting the, the change, you mm. know? And really that's all we're doing. We're not coming in trying to be fairy godmothers. We're coming in <laughs> just trying to be like, Hey, here's a microphone talk girl. We're here to listen and not judge. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how much just, being there for somebody and not judging changes the dynamic of so much for people.
0: Mm. Well, you know, you mentioned the the parents and like the straight guy, like, so just to clarify on the show. So you also have good interactions with uh, the secondary characters, right? Not just the drag daughter, quote unquote, but you have, you know, it's about their families, right. And about people in their kind of closer immediate family circle as well. And how things are affecting them too.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of discussion You know, let's talk about it. Let's bring it to the surface. And then as far as fixing it, that's up to you all. You know, we're just here to show you how to bring it out and maybe how to try to do it in a positive way and just kind of show, like, we're also there to show, like, how much fun the queer community can be, how how beautiful and transformative drag can be and how therapeutic and really just um, being okay with your authentic self. You know that's what drag's really about, yeah, it's self-expression. And that's what people struggle with the most is expressing themselves authentically.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. That's a great perspective. Well, listen, I think it's fabulous. Again, congratulations to you and and, uh, and Bob and Shangela on this great show. And I'll leave you with one uh, final question, which is uh, our editor at Instinct Magazine, Adam. Um, he was curious about this. Uh, so I asked Shangela as well. So I asked you too. So tell me who are some of the role models, uh, famous or otherwise, that you base the character of? Eureka O'Hara, on who is who is uh, who are her her icons and idols?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. I mean, my first and like foremost, my idol's always been my mom. You know, like I model like my kindness and my love after her. And then, um, as far as like famous people, definitely Chris Farley was someone I grew up like really loving. Um, John <laughs> Candy, Queen Latifah. Oh, those like, are great. Um, you know, just. Yeah, powerful, funny, plus size individuals. Honestly, I've always been, you know, the thicker one. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, anyone that shows confidence and love in themselves was really, like, my go-to
0: wow that's awesome well thank you because i love them too I And mean, my gosh chris farley honey i cried when he passed away i was like come on now so, i know <laughs> I know,
1: it's my own little funeral
0: oh yeah he we, we definitely got robbed of a uh, great talent when he when he passed away so r.i.p and thank you once again for talking to us we so appreciate it and i look forward to the show and continued success on everything you do i appreciate your time
1: yeah thank you so much for your time too and i we appreciate the write-up you know and i hope you enjoy the rest of the show
0: Thank you for listening to Core Issues with me, Corey Andrew. For future episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can follow me at Corey Andrew. And follow the Core Issues Facebook page at Core Issues Media.